0: From ski tracks, it's the show people talk about. It's Talking with a Gravy Train, your source for Nordic news and one-on-one interviews with current Nordic skiing newsmakers of the day. Sometimes we'll look back and share the rich history of the sports, and sometimes we'll be engaged in the current topic of the day. And now, here's your host, longtime Olympic announcer, Peter Graves. Hello again, everybody. This is Peter Graves. It's another edition of Talking with a Gravy Train. And today... On the line, uh, we have from Canmore, uh, Tom Holland. uh, uh, Just uh, recently departed from the job of high-performance director for Cross-Country Canada. Tom, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you uh, for having
1: me, Peter. uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, I'm anxious to to talk to you here. So, um, you uh, are... uh, uh, well, you, you started, I guess, a stint with uh, Cross Country Canada um, uh, earlier than 2006. So, uh, initially, I guess, as a volunteer, why don't you just take me back to how you got involved uh, with uh, the governing body?
1: Well, the 1990s, you know, was not a great time for sport in Canada. The money was scarce and. Uh, that time we had started the training center in canmore it was built with legacy money from the uh, 88 olympics and uh, i was had the job of managing the center there and uh, the glacier program and uh, yeah cross-country canada kind of how would you say i went to ottawa at one point and was given the books and uh Things were handed off to me to kind of uh, run things in Canmore, sort of into the late '90s. So it was a time of like one admin person and uh, a couple coaches in Canmore, and that was the whole program. So um, from there we built. And you've
0: been doing it a, a long time and a, a lot of history with the program, uh, Tom. And um, so now. Uh, you decided uh, it's time for a break. It's time for a change. Uh, bring us sort of up to date uh, on your thoughts as you uh, uh, are leaving or have left this position.
1: Well, yeah, it's 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 like everything comes full circle. We're uh, it's getting harder again, much like in the '90s, uh, financially to support the program, uh, but. A lot of things have changed. So, you know, the the solutions in the 90s are not the solutions we need right now. And uh, I think this this can be a really exciting time. in in terms of the next-gen programming, Uh, we've seen coaches in Canada. We have a lot more paid coaches than we had when I started. Uh, So the dynamic and the club model and the divisions at this point are are quite strong. Like, in, in terms of the grassroots support, that's out there. So it, it, it's a great time to leverage, um, what's going on at the club level and the division level and, uh, move on to, uh, find those next podium athletes.
0: You know, I, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely is certainly a, a journey. Tom as as you well know, I, I look at the numbers of cross country skiers down here in the States and, um, and they certainly are growing. And I, I look particularly as a model at the Bill Koch Youth Ski League Festival, which uh, here in New England, um, we have over 500 uh, little kids that show up for that uh, annual festival. And, and the numbers to me are really encouraging. When, when you look at the numbers in Canada... Uh, are are you encouraged by grassroots growth that you've seen, Tom?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a little different than it was 20 years ago, but there's the sport is is still growing. Uh, if you walk out any major clubs, huge programs, huge uh, development programs, uh, kids moving. In Camar, every direction, you, know, you go through in the fall, skiing and running, everything, down in the weight room, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, our problem, is, if you will, our challenge is, is to keep these kids in the sport, to find the, the big talents, and um, that athlete retention piece is, is what we have to really work on. It's always nice to have more, more kids, because you know, the more we have, we're going to find the cream of the crop, but... Uh, yeah, that athlete retention piece is, is what we've got to work at. And having strong clubs now, good coaching, uh, pulling all this together in and we have a pretty solid plan in place here to 2026. So I'm pretty encouraged by that as a uh, head out the door.
0: One of the things that, uh, again, uh, looking at the U.S. Uh, as a model uh, – You know, which Canada is obviously uh, doesn't have to subscribe to the U.S. model. Uh, The U.S. model has been particularly successful with the women of late, as you well know. Um, How We've had different points of view on centralization of programs. You know, there was a particular era where things were based – really around Park City and the athletes of, of the country traveled to spend a good time there. I, I think that's changed a little bit as well. How how do you view the issue of centralization uh and, and people from across Canada? Do, uh, do they spend most of the time in Canmore or do they spend time out within their own local programs,
1: Tom? Well, yeah, that's, that's an interesting uh, question. I mean, we, if you go back to the turn of the century there, you look at the Canadian, even the Canadian sports system was very much driven towards papers written on training center systems and centralization. And there's, some of that still goes on, but we've, we've studied the American model pretty closely over the last few years. And, uh, <laughs> We're moving to a more decentralized model in mm-hmm. the U.S. However, when you say that, I, I think we have three training centers: Canmore, Thunder Bay, and Quebec. I think those those training centers are still important. But when we talk about decentralization, we are talking about still very strong club models. So when I look at the U.S. model, there, there, there's a number of very strong There's a number of pretty big clubs, bigger than our training centers in terms of their budgets and those kind of things. So, decentralized, but uh, how would you say, uh, smart training-oriented decentralization. You've got to be able to uh, deliver a a world-class program at that level. And, you know, if you have good coaching and good financial support, uh, the clubs are able to do that. So we're moving to that model. It still means we've got to bring the best kids in the country together to train and uh, not lose sight of that. We need centralized um, testing, something we got to improve, gap analysis for athletes. There's a role for that centralized uh, body to be involved in development and pull all the pieces together. But uh, we're moving in that other direction. which look a lot more like a U.S. model right now.
0: Mhm. Well, you also uh were <clears throat> involved during a period of of not only huge growth but uh, also enormous success too. Um I you know, I think of uh Becky, for example. Uh uh, uh later Chandra, uh Sarah, uh speaking of the women. Um uh, not to mention other great men uh like like Alex and Devin and and so on and so forth but um it's it uh i i think the success of the canadian women particularly um was extremely beneficial to the american women uh particularly uh to the era of Keegan when she showed up at her first olympic games in 2002 and saw that um our neighbors to the north, our friends uh, in Canada um, could be very successful in in that sport. I, I look back and think those were very heady times, uh, and they must have been for you as well.
1: Oh, well, for sure. I think there's this element in our sport. You, you probably get a generation skier uh, maybe once every 10 years, you know. Mm-hmm. Lucky. And the program... Roles and and it's like a magnet for other athletes for your whole program. So, uh, the Becky's, the Keaton's, the Alex, the Devon's, yeah, and Jesse Diggins now, um, these people really do so much for the sport in terms of uh, the masses. And I'm not just talking about the very elite level, I think it has a big impact on the Development part of the sport and, and the, uh, the passion in the sport and just keeping everybody motivated right from uh, the grassroots all the way through.
0: Well, and I, think, a, I think showing uh, everybody that it can be done, that the Europeans, the Scandinavians are beatable.
1: Yeah. So I think with the U.S., it's kind of good because we're not that far apart in our geography and, and, and you know, but we have to even Europeans, uh, we're over here and they're over there. So we have some big challenges, and we have the same geography. So um, I think we were able to feed off of each other's heroes, as you, as you, as you pointed out here. And that's big in North America.
0: Yeah. Um, what was it like managing uh, the program as you did during during that era of uh, incredible results?
1: Well, I look back at the early part, you know, coming into 2002 and into 2006, you know, had so little money, but it's, it's, it shows you that it's about the will and uh, you want to get something done, you can. So that that's uh, that's an it was a huge achievement, I, I think, just to say, okay. Becky Scott, She she came into my office in about 1998 and said, We've got to do this. This is what we want to do. And that rallying point. You can find the resources if you want, even in, in the lean times. And that's where we're at now. So, that era of finally getting success, and when you get success, you get the handshakes, and the money starts to roll in, and uh, things get better pretty quick. That was uh, phenomenal. I think once we had more um, more resources coming into say 206, and particularly leading into 2010, that's also an exciting evolution because you're you can do more things. I mean, you can't succeed in this sport with with pennies. You have to have a lot of innovation. The wax tech uh, key support area alone is. A huge undertaking and it costs a lot more than it did uh, in the
0: century. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: So, so see, seeing that evolution, but not kidding ourselves that you can do it on, uh, it costs a lot more than it used to, I would say. In Becky's era, you know, one one wax tech and one athlete, you know, you could. The tech could be the, the person who did intervals with her, et cetera, and well, now it's uh, it's a much bigger show to compete out there with the wax trucks and uh, that's a level of support. So we shouldn't kid ourselves it's the same as it was late in uh, 1998 to 2002. It's, it's changed so much, and that, that's exciting, but it's, uh, it's a different level of support. And sports science, sports medicine, all of these things are, are things we have to, ra- have to raise the bar and... We
0: Keep our game pretty high in those areas. Indeed, uh, Tom. Uh, people often ask me uh, when, when you spent a long time in the sport, maybe what was your what was your greatest moment or, or or that sort of thing. And and I know for me, it it's a little bit tough to distill uh, one one moment or or whatever. But but uh, I'll turn it around to you and say, is there a particular moment above others that stands out for you or is it or is it more the body of work when you when you look at your career with cross country canada yeah well,
1: another good question I, yeah you, you could easily just sit and say well it was great today we got this medal and that medal and mm-hmm. those are great emotional highs but really looking at a career it's, it's what did, what did you learn what what how did you evolve i think as an individual and to me those were the top of my list is, is making teams work and uh, the collective uh, commitment that uh, in the job i had uh, to make uh, people come together i worked with 11 uh, national ski team coaches over my career probably 20 wax technicians or more uh, so these teams are always changing so finding ways to make them work Support them and was really is really the highlight I say of my uh, my time of uh, cross country Canada.
0: Good answer. I I I agree.
1: It, Ta- it really is about the people, uh, whether it's the athletes, the coaches. The, it's teams. You got the athlete team, coaching team, the technical team, sports science medicine team, and then there's times when all these teams have to gel together. So this is the very interesting part of this job uh, has been, yeah.
0: What what sort of advice? Now, I guess your, <clears throat> your um, replacement has not been named, to the best of my knowledge, at least at the time of this airing. But what sort of advice would you give, perhaps fatherly advice, to somebody who uh, will be uh, uh, replacing
1: you, Tom? I think you have to listen. That's a big word, but uh, there aren't too many coaches out there that don't have something to add. I've never met a coach that's perfect by any means, but they all have something to add. And getting them, listening to them so everybody buys into this collective commitment is the is key thing I would pass on to anybody. It's, uh, once you get this uh, collective energy going, it's, it's a powerful force. A lot of passionate people out there. Um, it's just taking that passion and uh, getting a goal going in the same direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think, looking back, is there anything? This is another loaded question, I suppose, but uh, I think it's it's fair to ask. Is there anything you might have done differently looking back, Tom?
1: Well, I think as you go on in your career, you can get a little smarter about things, but there's certain things, but I, I think one of the things that I learned maybe later in my career was, uh, I learned from Pierre LaFontaine, it was, uh, mm-hmm. I asked him for advice once and he said, uh, he didn't tell me what to do, he just said, uh, you'll make the right decision, just do it with class. Well, I, I think whenever you have hard decisions, it's sort of taking the high road and uh, doing it with class. And that means uh, treating people fairly and uh, um, remembering that we're developing people, and it's not just about the results. That's something I would have liked to have me in 1998, I I think. uh, Mm It really stuck with me, that little piece of advice.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, getting ready for Vancouver must have been uh, a heck of a lot of work, but also very energizing too. What uh, thoughts about that? The dealing with the pressures, of Vancouver. Uh, how do you how do you recall some of that experience?
1: Uh, just great memories about Vancouver. I think it was uh, well, we had a little bit more money too, so we we're able to innovate. We we're able to do things we. We weren't able to do it other games. Uh, it was also probably one of the most successful games. When you look at our results, uh, we didn't get podiums, but if you look at the number of top 10s, top 16s, if you lay out all the, the five games I've been at, it's, it's the most successful that way. And when uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you walk away, maybe feeling a little let down if there wasn't a medal, but you know, were, within seconds of medals, set us up for the next uh, quadrennial and we had uh, a very strong team then. And, uh, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and, uh, it'd be great if we could do it again in 2026.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Well, you've, you've been blessed to have many, many great athletes. Uh, um, I, I want to ask you about Alex Harvey, um, who's really carrying the torch right now and successfully and, um, By all accounts, he'll be uh, uh, with the program for another year uh, at at least. But uh, what makes him so special, Tom? What what an athlete he is!
1: Yeah, I think uh, Alex's his level of professionalism and how he uh, handles himself, how he does his work every day, and how he stays on track is, is phenomenal. His his He's like you, Peter. His history of the sport is is also incredible. Like, he he
0: really dove into
1: that whole thing. He knows everything about the sport. So he's the total professional. And we're hoping to use him with some of our next-gen athletes this year to to get him to work with some of those athletes, and some of that can rub off on them. I I can't think of a better model, uh, a person who can help athletes see how professional you have to be to be really good at this.
0: Indeed, indeed. One of the other things that you guys have been particularly wonderful at, and, and of course the funding model is very different, but I want to chat about the World Cup, uh, both uh, Ski Tour Canada, uh, which uh, my buddy Dave Dyer and, and, and all of you had a lot to do with, and it was phenomenally successful. But uh, the continuation of, of regular World Cups in Canmore and Quebec – And the World Cup Finals next year uh, again, back to the Plains of Abraham. I I can say uh, calling that race with uh, my buddy Randy Ferguson uh, was as exciting uh, the last time there of any... Uh, Olympic event I ever did. There was just magic in the air. These World Cups are very, very important. And uh, uh, congratulations to to Canada for um, really doing something that the United States has not been able to do. And um, what what are your thoughts on on World Cups in Canada? Well. Yeah.
1: We got back into this business in in 2005. Big success, you know, with Becky and Sarah. They they did well, and uh, then they did well in the Olympics. Uh, It's such a great launch pad for Canada and the U.S. uh, for development skiers. It gives them a big goal, it creates a lot of momentum within the country. It everything in our face here in Canada, you know. It's great to see that the U.S. now is. To try to do something in Minneapolis.
0: That's Uh, right. Very serious talk about that for 2020, I think.
1: When we got into this, it wasn't really, I didn't see this as a a World Cup. It was a European Cup type of thing. So uh, it's a lot of work. It has been a lot of work, but it's paid off. And it's, um, you know, we have a system here now. We have some good venues. Uh, Who would have thought we could have? I don't think it would have evolved that quickly with the Quebec venue, but uh, the Just has done a great job there and, mm-hmm. and put on great events. So, yeah, uh, you know, well, we're pretty happy, but we're, we're pretty proud of what we've, we've done in this area and certainly wanted to continue. Tom, what it's do you been, think? Uh, yeah, go really ahead. I'm really sorry. Athlete, really good for athlete development in, in both our countries.
0: Yeah. I mean, not only were there tons of Canadians there, but there there was, a, as you know, a huge gathering of people, I would say, from New England, particularly, um, that uh, is within a relatively easy driving time. Uh, uh, Tom, I want to ask you, what what does the future hold now for you? Are you going to take some time off? you going to... Get right into uh, anything in the private sector. W- what do you expect?
1: Well, according to my wife, I'm going to take care of her and my kids for a while. Good choice. But you know, it's, I think recharge the batteries. I uh, think I'd like to uh, make a continue to contribute, but uh, that still remains to be defined. I've got a few uh, people asking me to. Doing different things, more on a volunteer basis, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that shapes up. I, I have a real passion for this development piece, this next-gen piece we're, we're trying to work on here. I, I hope I could help steer that in some way.
0: Well, I, I guess all of these jobs are not forever jobs. Um, they're they're uh, particularly when you have passion that you throw yourself into these things, but uh, they're they're long days and high expectations, and um, every once in a while you need to recharge those batteries.
1: Yeah, for for sure. It's been a long time. It's time, you know, for some new energy. Uh, we need to develop new people in all aspects of our, our sport delivery system here. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I can walk away, and uh, hopefully uh, they get somebody in here who, has got the energy to, to move it forward because it is it's seven days a week this type of job and uh, not something you uh, can turn on and off a little quickly to no. uh, deliver
0: well Tom I really uh, wish you all the best thank you for the the hard work you've given the program and uh, I really uh, appreciate talking to you
1: yeah it's great talking to you too Peter uh, you know, your contribution is uh, outstanding too so uh, keep up the good work
0: Thank you so much. And uh, as we uh, depart this interview, uh, just a personal note, we want to uh, just, uh, in the past few days, word has reached us of the passing of uh, one of the great uh, Canadian athletes back in the 1980s, and that is Joan Gertysen. And so our thoughts are with her. She was a great athlete and a great person, and uh, we're very sorry to hear that news, Uh Again, Tom, thank you so very much, and this is Peter Graves. It's another edition of Talking with the Gravy Train.